You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing comprehensive oral cancer screening exams and how to communicate with your patients to market this service. Our guest is Dr. Robert Convasar, an expert in the field of oral cancer detection and biopsy techniques. He has written numerous publications, lectured internationally, and taught hundreds of dentists on how to examine patients for oral cancer and how to perform biopsies of suspected lesions. Dr. Convasar practices laser, cosmetic, and restorative dentistry in New York City, and also serves as Director of Laser Dentistry at the New York Hospital Medical Center of Queens. Our sponsor today is Perel Pharma. I want to thank them for sponsoring this podcast. They're makers of Oroblock Articane, a leading local anesthetic, and Gockles, uh, which is essentially a pair of glasses that uses the light of the curing light to perform a rapid and non-invasive examination of the oral cavity to help identify precancerous lesions. Dr. Conversar, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Phil. Great to be here. So um, my first question is, what makes up a comprehensive oral cancer screening exam? Well, it's really not a terribly big deal. Uh, The American Dental Association has a pretty good video that you can uh, watch, that you can purchase from them, or you can probably get it online, maybe from YouTube. Uh, An oral cancer exam is actually more than just an oral cancer exam. You start extra orally as well. Uh, There are plenty of times over the past 40 years of practice where I have found a bunch of lesions on patients' faces and on their scalps. Uh, So you're going to look at their face. You're going to check for symmetry. You're going to look bilaterally. Everything should be a bilateral examination. Compare the left side to the right side. Check the masseters. Check the sublingual area. Check the submandibular nodes. Check the jugular nodes. Make sure everything feels the same bilaterally. Once you've got that done, you then head intraorally. Take your fingers, your thumb and your index finger, and just palpate the lip. Go from one comma short to the other comma short on the other lip, one comma short to the other comma short on the lower lip. And now here's the key. The highest incidence of oral cancer is usually the lateral border of the tongue. Take a piece of gauze, wrap it around the tip of the tongue, and pull that tongue out as far as you can without hurting the patient. Move that tongue to the left, look at the left lateral border, move the tongue to the right, look at the right lateral border, lift the tongue up, look at the floor of the mouth, and one more key, depress the tongue with a mirror so you can see the uvula, so you can see the tonsils, so you can see the root of the mouth. And one more thing that I always recommend that will cost you less than 10 bucks, but will make a tremendous, tremendous difference is something called a laryngeal mirror. It's something ear, nose, and throat specialists use, it will allow you to get all the way back to the root of the tongue. The trick to using this is really very, very simple. You know if you hit the patient's roof of the mouth, their palate, they'll gag. You put it all the way on the back of the tongue, they'll gag. So you place the mirror in the back of the mouth without touching the tongue, without touching the roof of the mouth. Just have it hover near the back of the of the throat without touching any tissue, and you'll get a perfect view of the root of the tongue where many, many lesions start. Interesting. And it's as simple as that. Yeah, that's a great technique. Thank you for sharing that one. Um, so what is the incidence of false positives and false negatives with oral cancer screening? And tell us what the implications are for the patient. Well, this is a question I get all the time, and it's it's relatively easy to explain. What we have to do is differentiate between a diagnostic procedure and an examination. 
using one of the devices like goggles or any of the other similar devices, you're basically using them as tools to help your examination. These are not diagnostic tests. A diagnostic test would be a biopsy. A biopsy is a gold standard for diagnosing malignancies. This is just a device to help you with your exam. A periodontal probe does not diagnose periodontal disease. It's a tool you use to help diagnose periodontal disease. An explorer does not diagnose caries. It helps to diagnose. So these are all things that are used as part of your examination rather than things that are used to diagnose. So essentially, the false positive rate and the false negative rate with this is zero because it's not a diagnostic test. It's an aid to help you perform your examination better. Now, it's so important, obviously, to screen these patients for oral cancer. What do you think, uh, with your experience in this, is the percentage of GPs that actually do this on patients that come into their office as new patients? And how often do they do this on existing patients? Every office has a different policy regarding oral cancer screening, oral cancer exams, and using a fluorescence visualization device such as goggles. Some dentists never use them at all. They'll designate hygienists to do it, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, Some dentists prefer to do it themselves. How many actually do it? I I would say, unfortunately, it's a relatively low number. Whenever I have a new patient in the chair, and I sit them down, the hygienist is finished, I'm doing my regular examination, and then I take out my oral cancer screening device. The question I always get from the patient is, what was that? What are you doing? I never had that done before. So the incidence of of dentists actually doing these types of examinations is unfortunately far lower than it should be. It's a fast, simple, easy examination, and it's something that everybody should be doing. Do you think some of the dentists are afraid that if they do an exam like this and they don't pick up anything that looks suspicious and then two months later or six months later or whatever, the patient is found to have oral cancer? Are they concerned about the patient saying, hey, you know, I just had an oral cancer screening in the dentist's office, which I paid for, and now I went to my physician who referred me to an oncologist and they're telling me that I have cancer? What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, the most important way to prevent any malpractice action is meticulous documentation of the chart. And if you document that an oral cancer examination was done, an oral screening was done, then you should be in pretty good shape. Uh, The odds of missing something that is blatantly obvious is extremely, extremely low. Uh, dentists get afraid to discuss cancer. Uh, They're working on teeth. They're working on gums. They don't want to be involved with cancer. They don't want to be involved with life and death decisions. But it's our obligation to do so. The five-year survival rate of oral cancer is about about 50%. Let's say 50-50, which is pretty poor when you consider the five-year survival rate of uh, breast cancer is 90-plus percent. Five-year survival rate for leukemias and colon and rectal cancer is in the high 60s. So we've got a very poor survival rate for these oral cancers because we don't look, because we're afraid to look, because we don't know what to look for. And we've got to get over that fear in order to conquer this disease. You've mentioned Gockel several times, and that is a product that's manufactured by our sponsor, Perel Pharma. And again, we thank them for their sponsorship. Because this is a very important topic, and I think you're right. It's definitely something GPs and specialists should be doing regularly on patients. That's our world. 
the oral cavity is our wheelhouse, and we should be certainly examining the patient for life and death situations, just as we examine them for cavities and, and periodontal disease. So tell us a little bit about goggles. How simple is it to use this? Because I've heard from you and other KOLs that talk about it, that it's pretty simple to use. It's very, very simple. Uh, different tissues will fluoresce, will glow at different rates depending on their metabolic activity. Now, cancerous cells or cells that are multiplying more rapidly have a high metabolic rate, so they're going to fluoresce at a different rate than relatively normal tissue. So with the goggles, you put them on, you then take your curing light, and you shine it in the oral cavity, and there will be areas that fluoresce normally. That's what you're looking for. And if there are areas that fluoresce differently, that have a different color, it doesn't mean it's cancer. Once again, these are not diagnostic devices. It means it's something that needs to be evaluated to be followed up in two weeks or to be biopsied or something like that. Once again, these, these aren't diagnostic tools. These are just tools to help with your exam. What the glasses do is just like the curing light glasses that you use, only the goggles are significantly uh, different than that. Why do you wear curing light glasses? Well, to protect your eyes from the curing light. Uh, why do you wear the goggles? Because the goggles are lenses that will screen out some of the wavelengths of the light that's coming back at you. And by screening out some of the wavelengths, it enhances the wavelengths that are fluorescing off of the tissue and allows you to more easily be able to see if there's something normal or abnormal. So it's basically putting on a pair of glasses, put the curing light or other light device in the patient's mouth, shine it all over, take a look, and once again, pull out the tongue, left, right, up, down, get a mirror, put it on the base of the tongue, look all around, and that's the whole exam. Two minutes and you're done. Certainly save someone's life if you can catch it early. And Without so you really question. Yeah, and you really want to focus on those high incident areas, right? Those high risk areas, like you mentioned, the lateral yes. border of the tongue. And if you're yes. using if you're using these goggles and you have any curing light in the office and you shine it on that tissue, what are you actually seeing differently than than you would if you saw normal tissue? Well, what you're seeing is there's there's something there. There's tissue with a different metabolic activity. There's tissue that's reacting to light energy a little bit differently. So what you need to do obviously is take a picture. Make sure you always have a periodontal probe in the field so you know the size of the lesion. And then you follow it up in two weeks, see if it's still there. Or if you think it's significant, you can biopsy it yourself or refer out uh, for a biopsy. But taking pictures with a periodontal probe in the field is critical to watching this, if you're going to watch it, and to also tell the oral surgeon where it is, what it is, what the dimensions are, so they know what to look for. And is that something that's darker than what healthy tissue would show? Is it a yes, darker? Yes. Okay, yes, that's, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Yeah, okay. different, different devices uh, have different wavelengths of light that they use, uh, but generally something that is normal is going to be a light green. Something that is abnormal, that merits further evaluation, is going to be darker green heading towards the brown. So if you see something that's uh, darker, in the midst of what's otherwise healthy tissue, it's just alarm goes off and go, hey, this looks a little suspicious. It may be nothing, but it's worth either following up with, with another exam. You check it in two months, six weeks. How do you know what the next step is? I usually give it two weeks. 
uh, if it's nothing of any consequence within two weeks, it will probably resolve. Uh, it could also be something as innocuous as the patient has a calculus bridge between 22 and 27, and their tongue is constantly rubbing up against uh, that calculus bridge, so they have a little irritation fibrum on their tongue. That's going to be there in two weeks. It's not going to kill them, but it doesn't belong there. Can dental professionals get paid for these oral cancer exams? Without question. Let's talk about a uh, dental office that accepts insurance. There is a dental code for this, an ADA code for it. I believe it's D0431. I'll tell you my experience in the greater New York area. Some MetLife policies, not all, but some will pay up to $150 every 24 months on patients 40 years of age and over to perform something that should be part of your routine exam anyway. Uh, same thing with some Connecticut General and some Guardian policies. Not all policies, some of them. Uh, if you don't accept assignment of insurance, well, then it's, it's simple to get paid. You just roll that into your uh, examination fee, and, and you should be fine. But insurance companies generally will pay for it. Not all, but a good deal of them actually do. Okay, so getting back to the topic, communicating with your patients about oral cancer screening, tell us a, a little bit about that. Well, as far as the exam is concerned, before I do the oral cancer screening, I always take out the instrument, put on the goggles, do the examination, and then the patients will ask me what it was that I was doing because they've never had it before. And then I explain, well, this is an oral cancer screening. Oral cancer is quite prevalent these days. And you discuss in detail a lot of things about oral cancer that people know about. Uh, HPV, human papillomavirus, is responsible for a great deal of cervical cancers, while HPV also is responsible for uh, oral uh, cancers as well. So you discuss that. You discuss women go for mammograms, for sonograms, uh, for pap smears. Well, this is another device that can find early-stage oral cancers. Men that smoke go for helical CTs sometimes of their lungs to rule out any possible early lung tumors, and this is another device. So if you're honest and forthright and discuss it in a calm manner, people are going to understand. You have to make it relatable to them. And especially, as you said, patients with a history of smoking um, smoking a pipe or smoking cigarettes or whatever, these are patients that you certainly want to do this on without a doubt. And I'm sure they'll be happy that you're doing it. So to wrap up this podcast, and it's been very enlightening, we really appreciate your feedback. How can a dental practice market this service to their patients and their community? Two things that I do. Uh, number one, Michael Douglas, very famous actor, is a survivor of uh, oral cancer that was HPV related. Uh, you can go onto YouTube and find a public service announcement that Michael Douglas has done. And I have that in all of my hygiene rooms, and every hygiene patient gets to listen to Michael Douglas saying how important an oral cancer screening is. Uh, there's an organization called the Oral Cancer Foundation, which is a nonprofit. They can help you marketing uh, oral cancer exams. They have a lot of resources. So there's, there's many, many very simple ways. But I've, I found that the Michael Douglas public service announcement is just a tremendous way to introduce people to uh, oral cancer screening. I know you do your own biopsies when you see something suspicious. We don't have the time in this particular podcast. I think we should do that on another podcast going forward about biopsies. But um, do most dentists, when they do find something suspicious through using goggles or other devices, do they send it out or do they do the biopsy themselves? Most general practitioners send things out. Uh, 
the percentage of general practitioners that perform biopsies is somewhere around 15 to 20 percent. That's about all. So most GPs uh, send it out. They're afraid to do a biopsy because they think if they find something that's malignant, they're going to make it worse, which is absolutely wrong. Uh, there are four possible things that can happen with a biopsy. It's benign and you got it all. Well, congratulations. You're not finished. You have to recall the patient periodically to make sure it doesn't recur. It's benign and you didn't get it all. What do you do? You recall the patient periodically to see what happens. It's malignant and you got it all. Well, congratulations. Are you done? Absolutely not. If there's a malignancy, you refer the patient to a head and neck surgeon. If it's malignant and you did not get it all, what are you going to do? Send the patient to a head and neck surgeon. So no matter what the four possibilities are, there is follow-up that you need to do. So there's nothing that you have to worry about. You can't make it worse. You can't have the patient die of cancer as a result of doing a simple biopsy. Just not possible. I think it's great stuff what you're doing in your practice, and uh, hopefully we'll all get back to work soon. You're in New York City, right? My practice is in Manhattan. I live out in the suburbs. We're still on lockdown for the foreseeable future. I hope that uh, we can get back to work soon, and certainly there's going to be some a new norm of protocol that's going to be in place to manage this virus going forward. All right, well, Dr. Commissar, it's been fantastic to hear your input. Uh, I want to thank Perel Pharma for their sponsorship again. And if you have any questions about any of this that you heard today, I'm sure you can reach out to Dr. Convisar. You can reach out to him. You can Google him. Convisar is C-O-N-V-I-S-S-A-R. He is a pioneer in the field of lasers, so he has a tremendous amount of information on the on dental laser technology as well. And also for Perel Pharma, Oroblock is their main product, which is widely used across the globe. And then, of course, Gockles, which is their uh, excellent device that's very simple to use that we described in this podcast. So if you want more information on Gockles, you can Google that at G-O-C-C-L-E-S. Thanks again. And Dr. Commissar, I hope to have you on another podcast or webinar soon. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.